Craft Beer Radio, episode 76, May 9th, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is the show dedicated to craft beer in the craft brewing industry, and I am Jeff Baer. And I'm Greg Weiss. This week we will be doing the first of a series of Belgian-style shows. Tonight we're doing Belgian Blonde and Golden Ales. Ooh. Yeah, we did Belgians before. The last, We did Trappist Ales. We did two Trappist so shows, I believe. Three, yeah, two Trappist shows, yes. So this is, uh, and I think we also did, like, to do Reds or something like that. Um, we did lambiques, right? Yeah, we never really did, you know, go check out other kinds of Belgians, so it's well overdue. And uh, why don't you say we go into the first beer here? Absolutely. By the way, we're we're back from various vacations. The Jeff's about to jump onto another one, so the the order of our distribution will still be a little bit erratic. Yes. Give us some time to get back to our weekly schedule. Yeah, I have, I'm going to India next week. So I'm going to be going, no show next week, and then week after we should be able to get back into the swing right. of things. Life sometimes does get in the way. This is the Leffe Blonde. Is it Leffe or Leffe? It wasn't on the Belgian beer pronunciation site. I actually consulted it before the show. Mm. I think it's Leffe. But This you can get in a lot of places nowadays. Right. Well, that's probably because they are owned by InBev. It's probably a very good reason. The the brewery themselves is the Abbey de Leffe SA, and like we said, it's a InBev company. Uh, Belgium, they're uh, Belgian Gold Nail, six point six alcohol by volume. Now these are different than triples because they're not quite as high in alcohol, right? That and um, well, I guess. They don't get as cloudy. Yeah, triples are typically more cloudy. Triples, triples use the Belgian candy sugar. Right. As far as I'm aware, Belgian gold nails and blondes don't use that. So the beer, the there isn't really a style for Belgian gold nails on the BJCP when I was looking for details. There's the um, Belgian pale ale, but the top end of that was like 5.5%. 5, 5, 5. Every beer we're drinking tonight was higher than that. So it fell into the Belgian specialty ale, mm-hmm. which is like everything under the sun. Everything. You name right. a Belgian that's over 5%, and it most likely falls into <laughs> the Belgian specialty ale on the BJCP. So that wasn't very useful. On the Beer Advocate side, their style breakdowns, there was two of them. There was the Belgian pale ale and the uh, Belgian strong pale ale or something like that. And one of these, the Leffa was in the Belgian pale ale, the other three were strong pale ales. Interesting. Like, we're doing Delirium Tremens tonight, and I usually would hear that characterized as a triple. I thought it was a triple, too. When I started doing the research, I saw it was coming in as a golden ale. So I figured we'll do it tonight instead of the triple show, because I have plenty of other triples. So we're drinking these out of the Bornum glasses. So this is a wide mouth. Um, is that a chalice or a goblet? This would be a goblet, I would say. Okay. So this will allow it to really breathe and get some air. It won't... I like, I, I personally like the glasses that close in on the top a little bit more. That would be, I believe, a chalice. Yes. 
uh, it's actually, I don't drink from this glass very often. It feels different. Managing the glass is, <laughs> is different. There, it has a nice thick base, so you can really just grab it. If you don't want to warm up the beer a bit, you can grab it from the base, uh, from from the neck, I suppose. and, and um, it Makes it right for toasting as well. Yes, it does. Cheers. Kanpai, as they would say in Kanpai. Japan. Now, what you what you get here is is a kind of a, a, a very distant malt smell. Getting a, a lot of kind of uh, hmm, sort of uh, honey, honeyish sort of smell. I'm not. I can see where you're coming. It's a sweeter smell, but to me, it's a it's a it's a sweetness from the malt. It, it's not that. Remember, we talked in a recent show how. Honey, fermented honey is kind of like yeah. mint or wintergreen, and I'm not getting that kind of flavor. But well, it's I not might, like fermented honey; it's just sort right. of you know, sort of a, a, sure. a kind of a, a sugary. Sure, like what you think honey might smell like. Yeah, right. certainly it can get a little bit of that. Now, the look of it is like we said before; it's it's a golden ale. It's it's very nice and golden color, and it's very clear. Yeah, poured nice and clear. A little ours have a, has a little thin head just covering the top. With the ring around the outside, it's interesting because gold is significantly different from straw in color, but it's really hard to describe exactly why. I guess it has more orange highlights. It's a very rich color, yeah, which would describe how yellowish orange it is. Certainly, so it's a very dry finish, mm-hmm. light-bodied beer. Um, it's not. It smells on the sweet side, but really, it doesn't. It's not taste- too sweet. Yeah, I'm with you, and it, it's an easy drinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, for six percent, that's nice. Yeah, the nice thin body. It's good for the warmer weather like this. This would be a, and um, so you can see this beer out on the yeah. patio. You know, drinking this beer, and you like a beer that doesn't get too syrupy, which can happen a lot with with the Belgian styles, particularly mm-hmm. the ones these don't use candy sugar, but the ones that do use candy sugar, they can tend to get a little bit syrupy, a little thick on yeah, the palate. Some of them can. It's a nice light beer. This is kind of beer I like to think uh, pairing with a, a fish or a salad or something like that. Oh yeah, this would go great with a salad. If you often drink beers with salad, shut out. Right. That's nice. What do you want to get into first? Well, we uh, we got an interesting email. Oh, <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> this is from your show is dumb at your show is dumb dot com. Why create something that has absolutely no way to make money? Plus, we listened to a few episodes and they are so effing boring. We all fell asleep. Dot dot dot. That was the extent of the message. Now, first of all, I don't know whether they're using the, the royal we, like <laughs> we as as a single singular person, or whether they're talking about a couple people. Maybe it's a another podcaster that has a much better show than us. Or Perhaps probably, I mean, it's probably Rick Sellers. It might be Rick. <laughs> Rick uh, from Pacific Brew News. Yeah. I don't think he'd ever do something like that. Well, first of all, this is from your show is dumb.com. So we started off off the bat negative. We, we met his, well, we met his expectations, right? Well, I mean, yeah. if it was from your show is great.com and he says, you guys suck, then it'd be really bad. But if it's your show is dumb.com, well, what do you expect? So we don't have any way of responding to him unless he actually comes from your show is dumb.com. We didn't actually check to see whether that exists. I don't think it does. Oh, I would doubt it does. Yeah, so he's a bit of a coward. So we have to reply in a public forum here. Why create something that's absolutely no way to make money? Jeff, well, there's two part two answers to this. You know, there there are lots of ways to make money. Right. We just don't do right. it. And the second reason is because it's fun. Yeah. I guess this guy just thinks 
podcasting and the internet is just about money. Maybe. Maybe. Actually, I've talked to a couple people like that. Like, so how do you make money on this? <laughs> what? Okay, sure. But but on to making money. We have to talk about Draft Magazine. Oh, sure. Yes. Shameless plug. See, Draft Magazine ran another full-page edit for Craft Beer Radio. So thank you again, Drafties. So let's talk about the magazine. We got some nice cleavage on the cover. That's true. It's, it'd be easy to detect because when you see the cleavage, and you see the you know the good-looking girl who has a beer in her hand. Well, that's Graph Magazine. It's much better than the Leslie Nielsen cover. That's true. So I just read through this before you came over, and uh, there's some good articles. There is an article on beer in Seattle. Pretty thorough. Yeah. Lots of stuff in Seattle there. Uh, so, some new articles. Meet the Brewer with... Uh, Oh, this is a good one here. Micro-distilled spirits. Oh, cool. Yeah, there are a lot of those. Yeah, so, Dogfish Head makes some, I think. Yep. No, is Dogfish Head that makes some? Or is it, Dogfish uh, makes some spirits. Yeah. Anchor makes spirits. Here's some Rogue Rum. So that that was a nice article about uh, micro-distilled spirits. Spirits all start with beer. They start with a barley mash right. in most cases, yeah. Oh, ooh, Finding Belgium. Ooh. So a nice article about the, the sites in the beer. I really do like uh, the pictures they have in, in there. I mean, they have really good photography. Yes, and the mannequin, the piss right there. I got a U.S. Airways e-saver, $625 round trip to Belgium. In the fall, Heather and I are taking Very our vacation nice. to yeah, Brussels. Yeah, I've uh, used up pretty much all of my vacation, so yep, aside so. from the GBA. Article GBF. about uh, collaboration, not litigation. Oh, wow, that's really cool. And, and there's a recipe from Café de Alsace in New York, the one with the beer sommelier. That's that's pretty nice. I should really start getting this magazine. <laughs> it's a good one, it's it's a good it's one this month. Instead of just reading the one that, uh, that, that Jeff has ever... As opposed to the other months when we just were saying it was good, this one's actually good? No, no, I'm saying this one is better <laughs> than the previous ones. For you to try it out, you can go to our website. There's a link right on the top. You can click the link, use our... Discount code to get Draft Magazine for $8 off the retail price. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting any other emails other than the uh, the Troll Flames? We got a few. A few of them were just sort of like, you know, we really enjoy the show. Like uh, Mitch Kayser wrote in to say that he uh, he enjoys the show. Thank you, Mitch. Okay, Justin Rumbach uh, put in uh, an interesting question. He said that we use the styles Imperial Porter and Baltic Porter interchangeably in our Imperial Porter episode, but... He says, I always thought porters were brewed with ale yeast and Baltic porters were brewed with lager yeast. What you say, Jeff? I say I should go look that up. He makes a very compelling argument. I'm trying to think of the beers that I've seen as Imperial porters, and, and he's right. Most of them are ale styles. Um, then there's the Baltic porters, like the, um, was it Zyvek or whatever, the, mm-hmm. the one from uh, Poland, I believe. So it very well could be that that's the delineation. I have been using them interchangeably. They're very similar, you know, and there's not a bunch of either of them. So I kind of been lumping them into the same group, probably, probably wrongly. Will hmm, will lager yeast go that high? Um, lager yeast will go not as high as ale yeast, of course, but you know you can do a decent porter. Baltic porters typically are higher in alcohol than traditional porters. So I kind of just lumped the two together, but maybe the variety of yeast does make a difference. So, Justin, we'll get back to you on that one. So this Lefa Blonde, is, it's a nice drinker. It really is. I'm starting to get a little bit of, I almost want to say toffee, like, but it's such a light flavor that toffee is almost, you know, can't be the answer. 
I, I still think honey is a good description because it's not fermented honey. It kind of tastes like, well, it kind of tastes like the sugar coating on some cereals. And it's okay. usually honey. Okay. Gotcha. No, it's, it's definitely a nice beer. Um, I wish I had more to say about it. It's funny because we, we usually have a lot to say about very hoppy beers that we can really significantly delineate the hops. Right. And we can tell where the bitterness is coming from. Really bad beers we have a lot to say about. <laughs> the, the, the good beers that are just kind of really good, easy drinkers, we tend to be just kind of like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it's rough. Well, see, it's so good an easy drinker. I really can't analyze it anymore because mine's mm-hmm. past my lips. I, th- I think that that's a part of the difficulty of, of doing the show sometimes is how do you describe a beer that is not incredibly complex but still very tasty and you know pleasing mm-hmm. just call it yum <laughs> yum doesn't quite cover it though I don't know yum yum Andrew sent us a message about South Carolina popping their cap. Hey, fellas, wanted to pass the info along. You've probably already gotten word, but we're stoked. They um, passed the law. They can have beer up to 14% alcohol by volume now. Very nice. Unfortunately, it's a little bit different than North Carolina. North Carolina, it was like repeal prohibition. You know, the beer trucks are lined up at the state borders waiting to drive in. South Carolina, every single beer has to get approval before it can sell. So it's going to be a while before there's a stockpile of Lots of high alcohol beers in South Carolina. But another bad beer law down the drain. Let's hope that Pennsylvania case law is soon soon on that train. <laughs> that and the um free of the hops in Alabama. Okay, oh. yeah. That's probably that's probably I guess higher on the list of stuff that needs to get accomplished. Yep. Seattle Ben has a couple of things. First of all, he says that uh, it's time for us to have a, t- a blind taste test. Uh, we couldn't agree more. We want to do this. But he says that uh, Greg's reaction to the oaked uh, Arrogant Bastard was interesting, but it would have been far more interesting to hear his reaction not knowing what it was. Mm-hmm. I agree. I-, I definitely agree. Oh, speaking of stone, there is a stone that I think you'll really like. Stone Pale Ale. It's in the market now. It's It's a nice... Uh, English style pale ale. It's it was crazyly not stone, and I and you know it'll pro- you'll probably be like now this is what stone needs to do more of you know instead of catering to the <laughs> the extremists. I had some arrogant bastard out in Japan of all places, and um, I mean, yeah, the, the beer is a lot less offensive to me than I remember it. Uh, it's just that there's still that thing that kind of lays on the tongue afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a, it, it's still it's still laying there a minute two minutes after you you drink the beer, uh, and and like Fred who um, who has the bar down in, in in Japan was saying you know I like that because it, it the beer lingers with you it tells you you know you've been drinking beer and I'm I'm saying well th- that's fine I just don't I don't want to have to eat food in order to get beer off my mouth <laughs> right right well a good example is this Leffa it's it's so there's nothing left on your tongue it's mm-hmm. just clean ready for the next beer. Yeah. We don't need to, um, you know, cleanse our palate with anything. As we pour our next beer, Seattle Ben has some other things he wants to say. Uh, AB versus Imbev seems bizarre and illegal, and session beers are a segment that's far too lacking, and I'm glad you guys want a few more in the market. To know if you guys have been catching Lou Bryce and stuff on the dearth of sessionables, and if not, you ought to. I agree. Yeah, Lou has a, uh, a new blog 
called uh, Seen Through a Glass, and you know he's been doing this whole session advocacy thing. And in the beginning of uh, the Beer Advocate magazine for this month, there is an article about how they'll be working with Lou to promote session beers. Actually, here it is right here. Um, in the coming year, we'll plan to become more involved socially and politically by continuing to fight to raise beer's image by putting respect back into beer, providing a support network, providing partnering with the Brewers Association to support your national brewery and local brewery initiatives, teaming up with fellow beer writer Lou Bryson to launch a session beer awareness campaign, promoting the health and social benefits of tasty, balanced, inexpensive, moderately alcoholic beers. So... I think CBR needs to get on that uh, yeah, promotion also. see if we can, too. Uh, and it's interesting that you bring up health, because that was one of Seattle Ben's last points. We talked about health of beer, and, and you and I, and me in particular, kind of poo-pooed it. Uh, accept beer for what it is, and don't try to make it into something it's not. What she quoted, uh, either one of us is saying, is the same language you've heard from people rallying against people like us. Point is, drinking beer is not bad for you. It's far, far, far better than many other things generally considered okay for you, such as diet soda or processed soup. And studies have shown that there are certain health benefits, which I would suggest, meaning you should feel all right about drinking and enjoying it for its flavor. Of course, morbidly obese folks consuming nothing but buttery rich sauces could share in your argument foods for enjoying complex flavors and not to keep you alive. <laughs> Honestly, I think your wholesale dismissal of the idea of beer's healthful attributes is short-sighted and embarrassing. Uh, you're entitled to your opinion, Seattle Ben. I... I see what you're saying, and you have a point. I just, I, I also feel like, how, how can I best go about saying this without, w- without retreading into what we've said before and also acknowledging Ben's point? I don't know. Without acknowledging his point? No, with acknowledging <laughs> his point, because he, he makes a good point that there, if, if you look at the studies and you look at all this stuff, it shows that to a certain extent, beer does have healthful attributes, and it's healthier for you than some things that even people consider healthy these days. Uh, still, still, I feel a little bit like backing off of, of the beer is healthy bandwagon, and kind of maybe because I'm sort of straddling this line where I don't, I really don't want to go too far in saying beer is, is really, you know, it's healthy and pushing it out as that. I kind of want to go the opposite route by saying, yeah, you know, if you, particularly if you drink a lot of beer, it's, it's, it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. And we, when you love beer, you want to drink a good amount of beer. Right. I, I don't know. I, I feel like when, once you start using health, as a justification for beer, to me, you're missing the point a bit, and that's just my partic- my perspective on it. But see, but Ben does have a good point. Well, when he's part where he says, um, you know, you saying don't make beer something it's not on the health front, he kind of you know people say the exact same phrase where beer don't make something it's not. Beer is uh, swill to make you drunk. I think because we use the same phrase doesn't mean we can be pigeonholed with the same mentality. Mm-hmm. We know beer is very versatile. It does lots of things, lots and lots of things. It's social. It's complex. It's enjoyable. You know, all these things. Healthy, you know, you know, you are, you know, just not ready to... I just can't say that, you know, I, I don't drink beer because I'm like, oh, this is good for my... 
you know, whatever. Well, you know, I remember that scene in the office when when Stanley says, "I drink, I drink a." Gl- gl- He's talking about how he doesn't drink alcohol. He says, "I do drink a glass of wine every evening for the antioxidants," and everyone goes, "Uh huh, uh huh." Uh-huh. Right. And it's like I would never, ever do that. Where I would say, "I don't drink beer except for I drink right. beer for the healthy attributes," and that's it. Because right. to me, to me, I just I completely am from a different perspective, and the health benefits of beer, whatever they may be, don't enter into it. And it, it seems to me to be a little disingenuous from my perspective, only from me, not from anybody else's Do you think maybe what we've been talking about is coming across is saying, because I wonder if it's being misinterpreted that we're saying that beer can't be part of a healthy lifestyle or something like that. Because I don't, we never intended to say no. Yeah, like that's, that. that's not what we're, we're intending. I mean, to you say. can just, you can have beer in a healthy diet, all this stuff. It's just using beer as a cornerstone of health benefits is is not the way to go. It really feels to me, and maybe other people will dispute this point, but it feels to me like all the articles about how beer is healthy for you are just. Are are just people trying to push beer from a different angle? <laughs> like they're they they realize that some sometimes their arguments for beer in some angles aren't working, so they try. Well, let's approach it from a different angle. Let's approach it from hey, maybe beer is healthy for you. Mm-hmm. There's that, and of course, there's the regular crazy ignoble scientific discoveries that come about. Right. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 up to you to, to figure out the best way to uh, convince your friends to drink good beer. I just don't feel like health is going to be one that works. Okay, we've ranted about this long enough. Let's not go into a extreme beer rant next and go on to um, the Afflegem Blondale that we have here. Again, it's lighter on on the nose. It doesn't smell quite as sweet as the last one does. No, it smells a little bit almost sour. Just a bit. It's also a lot cloudier. I mean, look at that. There's almost stuff suspended. Oh, yeah. I got a bunch of clumps of yeast float around in there. So that may not necessarily be the way it's intended. But it's probably healthier with all that yeast in there. (laughs) Pour it as gently as I could, but there is a lot of yeast in the bottom of this bottle. So you got to decant really, really carefully. Yeah. I like the carbonation. Yeah, I do too. You know, mostly I usually say it's too carbonated. This style of beer, this light-bodied, dry beer, carbonation fits in there really well in these Belgian styles. This beer, to me, has a little more maltiness than the last one did. A little bit. It's mm-hmm. it's not a huge malty beer, but a little more malty. Still a nice light body. It's there's a bit more bite to it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's surprisingly similar to the last beer. I mean. I mean, they're the same style, so you would expect mm-hmm. them to be somewhat similar. This has, like you said, a little bit more maltiness to it, and it's not kind of a sugary. Well, it's not. Hmm, it's not a American malt flavor. It's it's much more of a, much more of a. Help me out here, Jeff. It it, it has um, some some graham cracker type flavor to it. Um. There is some tartness in the flavor. Yeah, there's tartness, definitely. There's still a little bit of that honey-esque flavor, which is... It's honey because honey is 
it really kind of spreads around your mouth, mm-hmm. and this kind of sweetness also spreads around your mouth. Okay. I think that really kind of contributes to where we're getting honey from. Even though, if you had a whole thing of honey right beside this beer, they probably wouldn't compare too well. Dare I say I'm smelling a little bit of hop aroma? I mean, nothing like anything you know made in America, right? But just a slight little hint of some hollow tower or something like that. I swirled up a little bit. Because I wanted to try to get more aroma out of it, and I just started to get a little, little bit of hops. I was going to say hops when I first smelled it, and then I, I said, mm, not really. But I'm glad you brought it up, not me. But I, I definitely mm-hmm. think there's something there. Perfect. Again, another perfect beer for a, a warm summer day. Oh, man, this goes so well. I, mean, I love nice, you know, heavy carbonation. This bites you back a little bit. Yeah, sometimes, like sometimes you think you know a Belgian beer is going to be too sweet, too too floral, too bubblegummy when it's hot and sweaty out. But these last two beers, I think, would go rather well. It is getting kind of sweaty, isn't it? I mean, it's today was a warm one. Yeah. Glad I have air conditioning. Yeah, it's funny because what two weeks ago we were complaining about just about snow. <laughs> this is Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're going to have three months of just ridiculously hot weather, and then it's going to go back to being cold again. Joe Murphy wrote in, and he is in a quandary. He recently moved from Madison, Wisconsin to Annapolis, Maryland, and he misses his Wisconsin microbrews. You might think he's talking about New Glarus, but in particular, his favorite is Capital Brewery out of Middleton, Wisconsin. He says his favorites are probably there at Blonde Doppelbach and Maybach. Hmm. Um, Blonde Doppelbach. Never seen one of those. That's interesting. Uh, if you're looking for something out in Annapolis, well, I guess Flying Dog is now producing Frederick, right? So you can probably... Is it Flying Dog or is it... Uh, Frederick's at... Fl- Flying Dog owns Frederick Brewing Right, Company, Flying yeah. Dog. So, so you'll probably get Flying Dog out there on a couple of the Frederick beers. Mm-hmm. Um, Old Dominion. Is it down that way? Right. Uh, he said... The, but Old Dominion is now, now not a craft brewery, so... <laughs> right, right. They sold their soul. He says at the end, though, you know, he's been enjoying Dogfish Head and Trogues Hotback and Troganator. There so, you go. Yeah, I mean, being in there, you might be able to get some of the other Pennsylvania beers if they victory, dip uh, down over the border. Stouts, Victory. You'll probably be able to get Brooklyn down there. I recommend Brooklyn Lager. That's a great mm-hmm. Vienna style. I mean, I'm really impressed by Brooklyn stuff since I've been trying it again. I mean, hey, it's springtime. Brooklyn Local Number One should be out at Bottle Condition Belgian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brooklyn's got a lot of stuff going for it. I'm I'm always impressed by what they do, especially nowadays. You know, it's interesting. A couple of things I tried in Japan: Speedway Stout, which we, which I think we have in our cellar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, we were going to have that uh, after the in the last show, but Jeff couldn't get to it. Remember? Yeah. Jeff's a lightweight. That was uh, that was something else. I mean, it cost me like forty bucks, but holy cow! <laughs> wow. So Alesmith, some how how did what, Fred's the guy that owns that bar? Yeah. How do you get Speedway stalled all the way to know. Japan? I don't know. But it was something else. Okay. They have this company that produces these really awful, awful beers, and they throw labels on them, and they sell them out there. And uh, one of them is called Pepper Draft. It is a beer made with pepper. <laughs> Piper Nigram. Right. You know, black pepper. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and here's the most... My um, grandpa would like that. He used to put pepper in his beer to keep the head around because he would drink, you know. I mean, the actual bottle has some you know pepper berries inside of it, right? Here's the most amazing thing about Pepper Draft is the beer was so awful that pepper made it somewhat 
better than it should have been. <laughs> the, the base beer is so terrible and so like slimy almost. <laughs> it's gross. Like Crazy Ed's yeah, chili beer? That, no, not like, I mean, because the Crazy Ed's I thought was just like, you know, okay, straightforward pepper. That's all you're getting. Right. right? But like, you know, straightforward Serrano pepper. It wasn't like a disgusting beer in the back. It just there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. This was a disgusting beer in the back, like really, really worse than worse than macros. But then it had this like pepper flavor on it, pepper taste, like pepper like surrounding your mouth. So the pepper made it better than it was without the pepper. It was it, really terrible, but unique all the same. It was one of those things where I had to have it. I had to try it because you got sucked in. We we've had a lot of great beers here, right? Yeah. And to me, I was I, I told Fred I'm. I'm impressed that not only do you have a lot of great beers, you also have a lot of crappy beers. Because <laughs> to me, that's the real sign of a great beer bar, is they have everything. Right. They have a, a great selection of fantastic beers. And if you're interested, they have some really, really terrible stuff, too. <laughs> they had, like, Cave Creek Chili there. They had that Romulan Ale. And they had Pepper Draft. <laughs> I, I was... Uh, y- you, you had to hold me back from trying Pepper Draft. I mean, that was... I was just amazed that that beer existed in the first place. Uh-huh. And I had to try it. But you passed up Romulan Ale, huh? Yeah, I did pass up Romulan Ale. <laughs> oh, blue beer, man. Come on. Because I figured I'd be able to get that in other places, but I mean, where am I going to get Pepper Draft? <laughs> Good point. So in terms of ignoble stuff, scientists have started to crack the beer froth enigma. The nagging question of... Why does the foam on a pint of lager quickly disappear, but the head on a pint of Guinness lingers? And it turns out that much like the question of what happens when you throw a, a toaster into a, a swimming pool, okay. math enters into the equation and it becomes very complicated once, once certain things are applied. Basically, it takes three-dimensional equations to calculate the movement. They've been made by Robert McPherson, a mathematician at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey, and David Srolovitz, a physicist of, at, at Yeshua University in New York. And they, they, work, they build on work by computer pioneer John von Neumann, who in 1952 devised an equation in two dimensions. And the mathematics of beer bubble behavior are similar to the granular structure in metals and ceramics. So the equation is an outlet in, in metallurgy and manufacturing as well as in pub. So this is actually not just necessarily ignoble science. It goes a little bit beyond that. What is the equation, you ask? Well, they don't actually list it. But it does tell you how every single bubble in froth will evolve and it'll be the diffusivity of the gas that is the little liquid layer that's the wall of the bubble that causes whether things have a creamy head or they don't persist as much he says he doesn't know the tricks that guinness uses they could be using a little surfactant to get the head just right this is just pure speculation on his part Oh, you know, I thought that, that the nitrogen, you know, mixture was what, you know, was the main key for Guinness's head. But we've seen beers that have really pillowy heads versus... Well, hops, the right. chemicals in hops help do it. So maybe that's part, they have a surfactant type property to them. Well, it says that the, the, the speed at which, the, basically the walls of bubbles move as a result of surface tension. The speed at which the walls move is proportional to the curvature of the bubbles. As a result of this movement, the bubbles merge and the structure coarsens, meaning the foam settles and eventually disappears. 
So that's how foam happens. And uh, what Professor Srolovitz says is what happens in beer is the small bubbles shrink, the big bubbles grow. Eventually the big bubbles pop, although they pop for slightly different reasons. On Earth, there's gravity, and liquid that's within the walls tend to drain out back into the beer. The walls get thinner and thinner, and they eventually pop. So what this is is sort of a mathematical way of applying how a beer foam will sort of propagate throughout a beer and you can read more about it. I don't know if we've really we've really just touched on the very surface of it without really explaining what the heck happens, <laughs> uh, because we we don't really know for sure either. So you can read a maybe a link to these articles or something. Do we really need to care that much about the fluid dynamics around the head of beer? You know, some people may care. On to a little bit lighter story. A- a German phone thief led police right to his front door when they called a stolen mobile to say he had won some free beer, and he willingly gave him his address. It's a good way to get... I mean, hey, if somebody said you had free beer, I'd, I'd first of all ask what kind. But... <laughs> I know. And uh, the last email that we have here, or news we have here... It's about Harpoon, their uh, latest their latest Hundred Barrel Batch series. Session 19 is a pesh. The hat tip to John Jensen for sending us word of this. Rich Joel Harpoon, CPO and co-founder, first twi- tasted a Belgian style of beer in Brugge three years ago when traveling on a Harpoon beer culture trip. He immediately fell in love with the beer and wanted to brew his own batch ever since. Harpoon pesh is reminiscent of peach lambics, Rich and other Harpoon employees enjoyed on the trip to Belgium. The only uh, pesh that I've had is the one from Lindemann's. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's my second favorite Lindemann's fruit beer. I like the Cassis the most. Yeah. And then the pesh is second. And I probably like the Frambois better than the, the Creek. The Creek is a little off, but I had a really good Creek there in uh, in Japan, too. Okay. Boone Creek. Okay. You can get that here. Very good. You can get a lot of good beers there in Japan. I mean, Man. they're a little expensive. I could forty dollars for a bottle of Speedway Stout. Yikes. That was very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it was like forty five hundred yen, which translates to about thirty eight dollars or so. Okay. Thirty seven. Four thousand five hundred whatever is to buy a bottle of beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next beer we're gonna do can do these in the order of alcohol, so we're gonna do the Duval next. Oh Craig's not done yet. Mm, I'm almost done. One thing I should note about the speedways, I did like spread it around between seven people. So okay, okay, we're on to the Duval. This is a Belgian Gold Nail, eight point five percent. Speaking of Japanese beers and news stories, stick around for the post show. There's a beer we're going to be doing that we actually had talked about in a news story earlier that I managed to get from Japan. It's a secret. Well, that's a light-bodied beer. It certainly is. It's pouring with a nice pillowy head. Beautiful beer. So what's the math describing this one? E <laughs> equals MC cubed. <laughs> or is that the theory of everything? That would be funny if the theory of everything was, oh, we just had to have, you know. <laughs> and raise it to another power. Put a the- <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that explains everything. So this beer is very clear and a lot yellower than the other beers we've had tonight. Yeah, a lot more towards straw than golden. Big pillowy head. Looks like the head you would get on a, a nice Pilsner. And it smells Pilsner-esque in terms of the malt. More, was, more bready. 
reading one of these beer magazines waiting for you to come over. I don't remember if it was Draft or Beer Advocate, but they had a Duval ad, and they're like, the the fruitiness in an ale with the clean taste of a lager, Duval. So, we'll see if that advertisement is... is like, fruitiness, like, <laughs> You know what? We got, we got an email, or we got a, a CBR donation from our... Uh, Listener in Australia who loves your Michael Jackson impersonation. Hee <laughs> hee! There we go. <laughs> he earned it now. <laughs> or I guess we earned it. That's for you. Thank you very much for your donation. The aroma on this one's very clean. I'm hardly picking up much of anything on the aroma. Are you? Like I said, a little bit of, you know, sort of a Pilsner Rest malt. Okay. But that's about it. I wouldn't call the flavor lageresque at all. It's kind of floral, kind yeah, of there's potpourri-ish. There's this, there's this blanket on my top of my mouth on my tongue that's just this, not really chalky. No, but I'm, I, I know what you're saying. It, it's what is that? It's a little. Ooh, that's that's interesting. Uh, because when you said chalky, I know exactly what you're going for. Mm-hmm. But it's not chalky. It's not like powdery. But it's kind of like a layer of. Obfuscation. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's sort of floral stuff around the sides of your mouth, but then on the top of your mouth, there's like nothing really yeah, there. Th- this beer really lingers. It certainly doesn't finish clean like the other two beers. The the left or the Afflegum, the Stuvel, certainly lingers. And now it's sticking around more. Yeah, the beginning of the flavor is more subtle than the other ones. Maybe that's where they're getting their their lager mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then it really just gets towards the end of the taste is where it starts piling on and, and lingering. It almost tastes kind of orangish near the end. Yeah, uh, maybe it's pithy, a little bit of pithiness. A little, yeah, maybe a little bit there, but not quite. I mean, not because mm, pithiness usually associated with pet, kind of like yeah. a sourness and just like a bit too much of a of astringent taste, mm-hmm. and it's not really there. Um, there's there's a good amount of of freeness that's and floweriness is kind of remaining. Uh, when I said the, fir- the first thing I taste was kind of almost like an obfuscation, like there wasn't anything there, and now it's really coming through. Now I'm, I'm tasting a lot more. I think you just had to get through kind of what, what the leffa and the um, Affligan Affligan left behind. So last week for what beer am I? We didn't have a real question. So no. you asked what beers. Well, this was a couple weeks ago, actually. Yes, last show. What beers are missing? What beers deserve to be on the Beer Advocate Top 100 list or the right beer list, whichever? So we had a comment from Tommyan388. I don't think he sent us his real name. He really thinks that New Holland Mad Hatter Ale deserves to be higher on the right beer than 86. The first thing I would say is Mad Hatter is not widely available, so it's going to be really tough for it to get up mm-hmm. until, unless it achieves a cult status, like Lawfully or something like right. that, right? Um, but yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to try some New Holland. Actually, we're having a listener who's going to be sending us some. So Awesome. So that'll be cool. we get to try New Holland finally. And he, he made an interesting point here. During the discussion of Pennsylvania's silly distributor case law that I believe Jess expressed... The wonderment at the possibility of Giant Eagle selling craft beer. Well, guess what? Here in Cleveland suburbs, Giant Eagle sells craft beer. Yeah. In the past week, I picked up Old Rasputin, Bell's Too Hearted, and Magic HIPA. So, 
very cool. So maybe Foodland wouldn't sell. <laughs> yeah. It's vagina eagle wood. So, so seeing that, that makes me a little bit less weary of having this wasteland of six packs all over the place and potentially harming the beer wholesalers, the beer distributors. So, John Miller wrote in. He said that um, the Jolly Pumpkin Brews deserve a spot there, but specifically he loves La Roja, which we La taste Roja. Them. And I have, an, I have a new bottle of La Roja, and I can't wait to try it. <laughs> La Roja. Do the La Roja. Can I roll my La Roja? Bob Robke says that Palm Belgique, which is a Belgian amber ale from Palm Brewery, should be on the list. He only wishes he could get this in the States. One of his favorites that is on the list but is rated way too low is the Alaskan Smoked Porter, which he mentions 2006 version of. Uh, yeah, but it's on the list, so, you know. Right. It, I mean, it's a great beer. He went to the Iditarod and got to have the beer. Whew. That's pretty nice. <laughs> Gary Muchow. Uh, wrote in and he's he's recommending a beer for its drinkability if not pushing the session style and the beer that he uh, is choosing is Surly Bender which is a nicely hopped American brown ale we don't get any Surly Brewing Company here but I hear a lot about them they're making waves in the, the craft beer world Chris uh, Chris Deflin says that he has two beers that come to mind Moylan's Hopsicle and Golden Drock Golden Drock is a barley wine or kind of a strong Belgian ale. I don't know how you describe it, but oh, yeah. it's it, it, it's up there. Yeah, they always have it on tap at the Creek House. I've never had Golden Drock. Never gotten around to trying it's, that one. It's, it's a big, big beer. Okay. I remember I had it with, with some with Chris, my friend Chris, and we, we both went home kind of a little buzzed <laughs> okay. just from like one. Moylan's Obstacle. He says Golden Drock is 10.5%. I mean, it's 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 big time. Okay. Moylan's Obstacle was an amazing beer. Remember when we had that? It smelled like fresh hops. Yeah. Instead of like beers, don't normally smell like fresh handfuls of hops. So that was crazy. Tom Schmidlin remember that. So Tom Schmidlin wrote in his suggestion is Thomas Hardy's Old Ale, as well as Fred, especially Fred from the Wood. I could definitely see if they reformulate just a bit, Fred showing up there. I mean, Fred, I'm sure has very good numbers on mm-hmm. on uh, advocate.com. Uh, Andy Beaton also suggests Golden Drock. He suggests Hebrews Lenny Bruce uh, RIPA. It's a rye IPA. Interesting. And Telegraph Stock Porter. Telegraph, Telegraph Brewing Company is a newish brewery in Santa Barbara. Ages part of each batch in Zinfandel barrels. Stock Porter has plenty of roasted malt character and its fruity esters from the barrels. They need to expand the distribution south by 40 miles for me, he says. <laughs> yeah, because that sucks having to drive 40 miles for a beer, but knowing, man, they just a little bit closer. Justin Dunlap suggests Bigfoot from Sierra Nevada, which I'm kind of surprised is not in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Maharaja from Avery Brewing Company. Great beers have never failed to knock my socks off. He also suggests Le Terrier from New Belgium. But he guesses it was since it was only a limited release, it's not really making it eligible. I had Avery's La, uh, the Maharaja at the New Mad Max out here. Double IPA. Way, way too sweet. You would have hated it. <laughs> you would have hated it. it and even for me, I, I ordered it and um, the keg kicked on my glass. So I got a little less than half a glass for free. And that was enough of it. I couldn't have drank in a whole 12 ounces of the beer. Hmm. 
Kurt Wallinger suggests Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale, which I, again, am surprised is not on the list. But again, you know, you can only put 100 on there. A lot of people are suggesting high hop, very, you know, very strong beers. Some of them, some of which I'm surprised are not on the list. Then there's Carl Bolcher. He uh, simply says, uh, Fuller's ESB. Mm-hmm. You can argue with me. But you'd be wrong. Hey, we're not going to argue. We're not going to argue with Flores ESB. I think that definitely deserves high ranking. That beer knocked our socks off when we drank it a couple months ago. Uh, made from a large brewery. It was delicious. I mean, it, I, I I tried it again recently. I mean, it's, it's such a great beer. I mean, it's a, such a wonderful example of style. That's really what Beerless should be advocating. I mean, a beer advocate should be advocating mm-hmm. such wonderful examples of a style, and Fuller's ESB is totally there. Randy Farmer had a simple little entry, Goose Island 18th Anniversary ESB. Okay. So uh, before the show, I did the... Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into winners, okay, let's go with ours. Okay. I think you know what mine is. Mm, no, I'm not sure. I don't have anything on top of my head that you'd pick. Great Lakes Dortmunder Gold. Oh, I love that beer. I love that beer. It's, I mean, to me, it's a great example of style. I mean, just a a perfect drinkable beer Mm -hmm. done with exquisite care. I really think it's exceptional. It's a beer that would never show up in their top 100 list because it's a lager. Because it's, you know, low, it's relatively low in alcohol. It's pretty much a session beer. And... I mean, it's just, it, it, it doesn't wow you with hops, doesn't wow you with alcohol. It's just drinkable. It's just so good. Right. That, to me, deserves top marking on anybody's list. I didn't know I'd be quizzed on what beer I think deserves. Um, Dortmunder's a very good, you know, Dortmunder Gold's a very good offering there. Um, is Brooklyn Brown Ale on the top 100? Uh, no, I I'm don't. sure it's not. See, so, yeah, that's a good beer. I like that one. Um Southern Tier IPA, I think, is a tremendous example of IPAs. I know that's not on the list. And, yeah, one of those three. You'd be hard-pressed to find a beer on that list that's under 9%. <laughs> but, okay, so you said you did some testing on the winners. You did some, like, I did. I stuff. did, uh, yeah. I, before the show, previously recorded, we did the winners. Boop, 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 boop. It's the God Machine is the chosen. <laughs> you should have seen the pictures that just flashed by. <laughs> Winners are Gary Mucho and Chris Devlin. Congratulations, Gary and Chris. Send you. us an email. Let us know your address, and we'll get you some pint glasses from, from East End Brewing Company. Company. Buy a good friend a good, good beer. beer. That was pretty good. That wasn't even planned. <laughs> All right. That's the end of the notes, ain't it? Woohoo! Uh, pretty much, yeah. Get these papers out of here. Where's the glass breaking sound? Had to add it in post. Okay, so here we go. We're breaking through the foil. Greg still has a little bit to go on his duvel. Do you have anything else you want to say about the duvel? It's it's nice. I mean, all these beers have been good. Okay. I'll slowly take the cage <laughs> off this beer. I, it, it's tough. These beers yeah. are. I mean, I can talk about how I liked them compared to each other. The Duval, it just it. Um, it's a little bit more bitter. Little a little more bitter. Not a much. Not as much up front. More coating on the end. Um, overall, had more negative attributes compared to the other two beers, in my opinion. But we'll get to that. But in a still, moment. easy. You know, nice and drinkable beer. I mean, it's it, 
if, if you had the choice between that and some other beers, I'd give it a shot. Sure. So this is Delirium Tremens, which in some places it advertises the best beer in the world. Uh, comes in a... Is this a 750 milliliter? This is a 25 ounce or... 20... Uh, seven, yeah, it's 750. 70 milliliter caged and corked. It's a 2005 vintage. There's a, there's a beer bar... Um, I think I said I told this story. There's a beer bar that's kind of close to some friends of mine in an area where it does not usually get craft beer at all, where they actually have this on tap, which totally on shocked tap. me. <laughs> totally shocked me. <laughs> this is a place where you're lucky to get Yingling, okay. <laughs> and they have this on tap. <laughs> this is a um, brewery, Hoyug, Hoyug, Hoy. It's a it's a family owned brewery since from 1654. So I will say that Tremens is not my favorite of their offerings. I think that Nocturnum is delicious, mm-hmm. which is their double. Yep, Nocturnum's good. Uh, Noel is nice as well. Mm-hmm. So the uh, there's a couple you get cookie, some yeah, a couple floaters in here, okay. but for the most part, you're getting a golden ale. Surprise, surprise. With a very nice thick pillowy head, a couple uh, couple fingers worth here. Some small bubbles, some big bubbles. I'm admiring the bubble structure. Quick, do the math. Mm, I was never really good at math. That's why I do a beer show. <laughs> Not a math podcast. Sweet, a sweeter aroma. It smells. Come on, give me some words. My vocabulary. Words. Let's my- see here. I think I lost half my vocabulary taking this time it off. It smells kind of cereal-esque. It smells a little bit... I'm, I'm, I'm just picturing a, a big kind of warm milk and barley mixture that you're ready to eat. Okay. And that kind of is what it smells like. It's kind of cereal-like. It almost tastes kind of peppery. That's what mm-hmm. I remember a lot from it. It, 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 it has... No, not the pepper from Pepper Draft. Right, right. <laughs> But there, there, there's a little bit of of a, of a prickiness that just sort of follows along it, even down down your throat. Um, hmm. There's a good amount of bitterness too. There really is. There, mm-hmm. There's a real decent amount of bitterness to kind of soak it up and really I'm kind of makes a, you want to sip again. I'm having a real hard time describing these beers and. Differentiating the flavors between them, I mean, they're this one's a lot like the first three. I mean, the Duval was different, but I mean, this one is a little more, you know, phenolic, if you will. There, there's a little more of that, you know, pepper, spicy flavor to it. It's a sipper, yeah, definitely a sipper. I mean, this beer is just not as going down as easy as the first two. The first two were like, oh yeah, these will go great with salad and and be light and light-bodied. This one has a fuller body to it. Now that I'm thinking back to how those were, this one does have a fuller body. Yeah. And it's just not as inviting to just, you know, drink it down. It definitely, and it definitely tastes better on the sip. Like the other ones were very much gulpers. and mm-hmm. Gulpers, you drag back a whole bunch and you really kind of taste it all. This one, sipping is better for it. This is a... And this is also a higher alcohol beer than mm-hmm. the other ones too. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of surprised it's not it's not listed as a triple because to me that this is 
almost the quintessential triple. This is what you think of. This is what I, I think of when I think of triples. I think of okay. beer. It could be really close in the styles. I looked on two different sites, and they were both ranking it as a strong golden instead of a triple. So, who knows? It's high alcohol beer. What was it? Nine. Nine percent. Ready to rank? Yeah, I guess so. It it, it it's going to be a hard one. Um, you first. Okay. It's it's just hard picking the top one. Um, I'm gonna start from the bottom. Just describe it. The um, the Duval had that coating, that almost chalky slash pithy flavor. Right, it was less flavor up front. So I'm gonna put that number four tonight. The Delirium Tremens. I'm gonna put number three. Um, maybe it's the spirit of the other beers. That one's just. It's not the drinker like the other ones were. Um, it's it's more work to get through this beer because you have to moderate yourself, take smaller sips, clear off your tongue, Absolutely. stuff like that. Um, the pepperiness is nice in it. I like the phenols in this one, but the top two, the Afflegum and the Leffa, I'm having a hard time. They were so similar. I'm having a hard time remembering back what their differences were. <laughs> it is true. We tried them first. I think I like the Leffa the best. I'd have to try them again to be sure, but I think I liked the left of the best. So they're both good beers. I think they'd go great with a light fish or a salad. Um, warm weather, very enjoyable in those situations. Good beers, nice and dry body, lo- uh, dry finish, light body. Um, and again, since we have to pick an order, I think I like the left of better. Shockingly, I pretty much agree with you. Um, Maybe just just for the sake of the front page, just for the sake of the post on the on Crafty Radio, I'll switch the Affleckham and the Leffa around. Okay, <laughs> just for the sake of offering. Just so I can't copy and paste. Yeah, it. thanks. Yeah, they're 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 very similar. I really did enjoy both of them um, more than I expected. I would really, mm-hmm. and so. I'm going to have to get Leffa next time I'm in a bar and I see it. I mean, it's really yeah, awesome it's and drinkable. Athlete, I'm probably not going to be able to find as as easy. At, at, not going to be able to find as easy. So I say, okay, if you see Athlete, give it a shot too. Um, so maybe somebody will say, oh, he likes Athlete too. So jump on that. Right. It's the only reason I'm putting it ahead. That because I want to make it a little bit more difficult for you. Bam. Thanks, Greg. Well, tune in to the post show while we drink a crazy Japanese beer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, talk about some Lost. Yeah, next uh, couple weeks we'll have another show. and Plan on posting this show while in India, since I have tens of hours of airplane flight to get this thing edited. should be a piece of cake. Hopefully there's enough bandwidth over there to get this thing uploaded. One hopes. i got a week to upload it, even if it takes that long. <laughs> Let's hope you have a resumable FTP. <laughs> right. All right, so thanks for listening and tune in again next time. Same beer time. Same beer podcast. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. 
The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.